Today, you're going to hear the success story of Alex, who was my client in CAP Educational Therapy Group. This is Rachel speaking. He was my client from March 2017 to January 2019. In this episode, we'll discuss Alex's transition from a learner who wasn't truly showing his full potential despite his best efforts to a learner who is fully independent and thriving in school. It was such a joy for me personally to get to connect with Alex again. We hadn't talked in a couple of months. We recorded this on March 1st, which was about six weeks after Alex graduated out of educational therapy, which we talk about in the episode. As we were recording and I was listening to staff ask Alex questions about his journey and his transformation, I couldn't help but feel a little emotional. It's not often that we as educational therapists get to see our impact in this sort of concrete way. And Alex, I know you're listening to this and I know I've told you before, but I am so proud of you. You are killing it and I am always here for you. Enjoy Smarties. This is a good one. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 53 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Kapp. And today on the podcast, we're excited to have Alex join us. Welcome, Alex. Hi. We're excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Alex is the youngest podcast guest to date, which is exciting. Alex, how old are you? I'm 13. Excellent. I like it. I like it. And what grade are you in? I'm in seventh grade. You're in seventh grade. And full disclosure, you and I worked together, right? Yep. You were a client up until about January of 2019. And as Steph and I were talking about who would be excellent guests on the podcast, you've always been there in my brain. Because like I've told you privately, Steph, he remembers so much of what we talked about in session. Yes. Probably more than I remember. Alex, do you think that's true? Probably. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Alex, Tell us a little bit about your story and kind of what was happening with you that your mom called. So in fifth grade, I started struggling with a lot of my subjects. I never really could pay attention. And so I got tested to see if I had ADHD. And when we found out that I had ADHD, we then were looking for like people to help me with it. And we found you, we called you and then I started going to you and it helped a lot. I love it. You've written a lot about what it felt like back in the day. Mm -hmm. You were not feeling good about stuff when you walked in the door that first time. No, I was not. When your parents said, we're going to find you somebody to work with, were you excited? Were you feeling like this is not something I want? Where? How did you feel? I was super excited because for a long time, I've always never been able to pay attention. and I never understood concepts, and I was always confused. Mm. So then when I found out that someone was going to help me and I was going to get like better grades and I was going to understand the concepts better, I was super happy. Awesome. Awesome. And so then when you walked into Rachel's office that day, what do you remember? I remember first calling her Miss Cap. That's true. <laughs> That's cute. And Rachel was just like, no, 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 just call me Rachel. i said like what was going on in school and how i was struggling 
she just like went right to work. That was an insane session because she just immediately started helping me and doing so many things to help my grade. Yeah. Do you remember what the first thing she did with you was? First, we organized my binder. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a test in a month. So we then made a whole plan on how to study, which I'd never thought of before. Uh-huh. And we did a lot about like understanding math concepts that I wasn't understanding too that day. Ah. So I remember that session too. And I remember you walking in. I remember you calling me Miss Cap and me kind of laughing about it with you. And I think that immediately put everybody at ease. Yeah. His immediate emotional area of need, you wanted to address the math. Yeah. Alex. And I don't know that he necessarily knew the foundational stuff that I was going to teach him, like keeping his binder simpler, mm-hmm. putting everything in one binder, right? We didn't have like a bunch of different options because yeah. papers would get lost or the wrong thing would come home. And you were trying. Oh, yeah. That was the whole point. You were really trying. Yeah. And I remember actually when your mom called and you weren't It was when you were in school, so you wouldn't have known anything about this first phone call. But I remember when your mom called and she's like, you know, we just found out about this ADHD. This is new for us. We're not really sure where we're going to go with it or what choices or decisions we're going to make about it. But his big area of need is math. And I started describing to your mom what I imagined your paper looked like. (laughs) (laughs) And I started, right? I started saying, oh, I'm sure he's really disorganized on the page. He's kind of circling a bunch of different things. He's probably fitting too many things on one page right? Which you were definitely doing. I definitely was doing that. Yeah. And it probably just looked visually like his brain was exploding all over the page. And your mom got real quiet and she goes, that's exactly what it's like. (laughs) 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 And so we kind of embarked immediately on this journey. What, What were some of the other things that you can recall us doing early on? I remember making that study plan with you too. It was helpful Mm because it allowed you to know what to do every day. Yeah. It was really helpful because, well, I procrastinate a lot. Mm-hmm. It's not the amount of time that I work on something. It's how much I do. Right. I would have to study three things instead of studying for like 30 minutes. And that helped a lot. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really, really important skill that your teachers don't teach you that, right? Not really because they kind of just like generalize everything. Yeah. So... That makes sense. So you started to learn some math and you started to learn how to organize your paper. What were your math takeaways from working with Rach? One is that you have to skip lines for every problem. So what I was doing before, after I was done with the problem, right under the problem, I would start the next problem. Mm. Using graph paper was super helpful because it really organized my numbers, especially in multiplication or addition or division or subtraction. Yeah. It helped to line everything up, so it was much easier to use, and a lot of fractions help, and decimals, and so many things. I can't even think right now. Let me think. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. I think those are all good things to mention, though, because I think a lot of kids struggle with that, so I I think those are some good takeaways. Alex, if you're thinking back to what exact goals you and Rachel worked on you've said math Hmm. and you said some studying what else were some goals that you guys set up having me stay organized going into middle school having a locker staying organized in that whole section staying organized with my backpack 
ways to keep track of stuff and managing my time. Managing your time. I think that's a huge one. So yeah, and your locker is important. Your stuff and your time. So when you started coming to Rachel, how were you keeping track of your time? I wasn't. Oh. I wasn't. You were just relying on your memory for your assignments? Yeah. Yeah. And your online portal too, right? Yeah, but we didn't really use an online portal then. You're right. It That really leveled up in sixth grade, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you guys started to work on your calendar. Mm-hmm. So how do you keep track of your calendar now? Do you use online or do you use a paper calendar? Right now I use the a Google Calendar because I can always see it. It's super easy to use and it's flexible. So if you have to move something to a different time or something like that, it's easy to do. Yeah, definitely. Can you talk a little bit more about how you use that to your advantage? Okay, so... Well, when I'm studying, I have like certain things that I have to know. Or if I have a project, I have to have certain things I need to do for the project complete by a certain time. Or, But if something interferes or I'm not able to do it, then I can move things over a day or something like that. And it's very easy to use. Or if I do something earlier, then I can move it something back and then I can start finishing the project sooner. And it's stuff like that. That's really useful. So. So, Alex, what type of learner would you consider yourself? I'm a really visual learner. Uh-huh. Did you know that before you started working with Rachel? I didn't know that there were different types of learning before I started working with Rachel. So, Got it. Okay. Yeah. So now a visual learner. How would you describe what a visual learner is? It's using visual representation. Mm. If you're doing like geometry or something like that, it's useful when you see the shapes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How do you incorporate visual stuff now? Like when you're studying or when you're learning, what do you do? If there's like a textbook that I can use, I look at the textbook and look at the pictures or I see something and I can like match them with each other. I think that's great. How's your calendar going these days? This is what I'm interested in. <laughs> so we haven't talked in a couple months. Mm-hmm. So this is a good opportunity for me to get an update. Mm-hmm. So it's been about two months or so, right, since you've seen Rachel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how's the calendar going? It's going well most of the time. Sometimes I forget to put it on, but usually I remember and keep track. So. And so what are the backup plans that you use if you forget to put something in a calendar? What do you do? I have like sticky notes, something like that, and I put them like anywhere I can. Like maybe I put it on my computer or I put sticky notes on my binder so that I remember when I get home to write down stuff on my calendar. That's a great strategy. So you're allowed to have your computer in school, right? Yeah. And are you updating your calendar in school ever? Does that ever happen? Sometimes if I'm already on my computer, like if I'm researching something for a project or I'm using an online book that they have, then I would write it in. But sometimes you have to rush to the next class. But right. if I'm on my computer and I can do it right then, then I would. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally. Because what I noticed, we can talk a little bit about this later, but there was a huge signal for me when it came to your calendaring skills that it was time to reduce sessions. But I'll wait till we get to that part of your story. Okay. <laughs> okay. How would you say things are different now? Things are much different now because I'm much more confident in my math skills. I'm more organized. I realize how I learn and my disadvantages so I know how to like counter them. And I know how, what to do. It's just 
easier to do everything now. I love that. That's fantastic. What a great thing. What about writing? My writing's actually much better now because me and Rachel used to do a lot of <laughs> essays or little paragraphs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so what would she make you do? Give me an example of what she'd make you do that was super annoying. In this situation, write a whole story about like, you just moved to New York and you see a mysterious junkyard. It used to be an old theme park. Okay. But it shut down and now it's just like a junkyard. And then you like discover it. Like, what was it like? Mm. What did you do? So she'd make you write an essay or a paragraph about that? Yeah. I'm amazed by your memory right now. That's a really specific prompt that actually we absolutely did. And you know whose fault those prompts were? I know exactly where that prompt is from. (laughs) It's my fault. (laughs) It's the visual prompts. We did visual prompts sometimes, but Steph, that's from the book that you sent me, like the unjournaling. The unjournaling, yes. I will make sure that we link that one in the show notes because that's a really great uh, resource if you it is I think it's actually on the visual prompts also I think there's there's one on there too so I'm sorry Alex I apologize that's completely <laughs> and utterly my fault but you... well, it helped me a lot so. oh well, good how did it help you I'm curious now because I remember every time I would pull out that book or every time I'd be like okay open a google doc you would do one of the <sighs> like it would be like uh every time you showed me I was like <gasps> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it helped me a lot because we worked on editing together, COPS. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? So COPS is a mnemonic. Mm-hmm. And the C is for checking for capitalization. Then you check for... It's out loud reading. If one part doesn't sound right, then you edit it to make it sound better. Right. P is for punctuation, mm-hmm. um, which is like... If you have to add a comma there, if it's a run-on sentence, fixing that. Mm-hmm. And then S was for spelling, checking if your spelling was right for all your words. For writing, we have a tendency, we want to do all of the things simultaneously, right? Yeah. And the first draft of writing is just to get your thoughts on the page. Brain dump. And we don't want to pay attention to all the mechanics of writing and all the other burdens. We just want to make sure we're responding to the prompt. And getting your ideas out of your body. We don't even care if it's in any sensical order because we can change that, right? So kind of removing that burden for him and just saying, Alex, just write who cares about all this other stuff because we'll get to it really opened you up and freed you up to be able to write more. And he was also one of my kids, Steph, who I would give the 5% challenge to. Oh, could you write another sentence or two? 5% challenge. Oh, yeah. Did you know what that was? Yeah, she probably never said it. I don't know if I ever, I may (laughs) have never just, I was always asking for more. That's what the 5%, that was like 100%. (laughs) (laughs) You always felt like I was asking for 100% more than what you were giving? I would have like a paragraph and I'd be like, add a little bit more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit more. Yeah, I probably never called it the 5% challenge, but it, was because when you would speak to me out loud, you always had so much to say. And getting that amount of knowledge to convert onto the page took a little finessing. She had to guide you a little bit, right? Because it's hard. Yeah, it was always easier to think about what you want to say, but then you don't know how to write it. 
Mm-hmm. Cause you're just like staring at a blank page and you don't know what to do. That blank page anxiety. So what strategies do you use for writing? If I'm writing an essay about something, I do the brain dump. I use cops. Uh huh. I think about what I want to write. I want to think about like what topic for my essay I'm going to write about. And I think about what I could write about or how I could start it. Yeah. Do you start with the introduction or do you start with a body paragraph? I start with a brain dump of just like bullet points of what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Then once I'm done with that, then I turn those bullet points into like sentences and into an essay. Okay. Because what's important for me when I first start is just I'm not looking at a blank page. Yeah. By the end of the time that I'm done. Yeah. Because that's always the most frustrating thing ever, just looking at a blank page, not knowing what to do. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. And another thing that we would often do is we would put the prompt onto the Google Doc almost immediately, right? Yeah. You have a lot of projects at your school, and we would do a lot of backwards planning for them. Mm Mm-hmm. The one thing I'll say is you generally got it done way in advance yeah, because you knew the action steps. So can you talk a little bit about that, about how project planning is different for you now? So, yeah. So when I first started doing projects, I would just try to do it all in one night or all the day before. Mm. It was one of the most stressful things ever because you always delayed it. And because you were like, oh, I have to do this whole project. But then, like, after I went to Rachel, Rachel taught me that you just have to break it down into small chunks. Yeah. Not only does it make it a lot less stressful, but it makes it seem much smaller than it really is. Mm-hmm. And because it's... Yeah, if I have, like, a project, I would say, like, by Friday, complete this part, then by... Tuesday, complete this part or something like that. Well done. I love it. I wrote something down in our notes, Alex, because this was a huge one for you. And actually, it's funny because it's coming up with another student now. And I find myself saying it to another client a lot, which is that this other student, which was similar to you, very similar Mm -hmm. type of learner, he's older than you, and maybe not as open as you were to feedback. But One of the things that he does a lot of is focusing on the style over the substance. Oh, so you mean like making the the page pretty before you even start writing? Yes. Yeah. That was a huge thing for me. You still like to make things look pretty, but you wait till the end now. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about it? I just always think about like the font or the color or how big the writing was. Yes. (laughs) It would take me a while before I actually got to the writing part. Yeah. So <laughs> So now do you do that part at the end? Yeah. Usually. Fair. <laughs> Alex, how have things changed at home since you did educational therapy with Rachel? Before educational therapy with Rachel, it was a lot of screaming in the house because I was always stuck on math homework or I was always stuck on any type of homework Mm. because I had such a problem with doing it because it was hard for me yeah I didn't understand the topics well enough to be able to do the homework Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of like people getting frustrated all the time and then once I went to educational therapy I actually started to understand the concepts and it made it much less of a stressful house and it was just easier because not everyone was always 
trying to help me, but they couldn't help me because I didn't understand what they were talking about or something like that. Mm. So do your parents help you with your homework at this point? Or are you doing everything on your own? I usually do everything on my own. If there's like interviewing someone, then I would interview my parents. But like if you need them as part of the project right i want to add a couple more things to this uh yeah you have two older siblings yep and your older siblings do not have adhd correct no so alex was coming in as the third child Mm. in a family of high achieving people right Mm -hmm. and he's high achieving as well and so he was having all these issues related to school, and there was no prior experience in the household about it. Uh-huh. So even when Alex is sitting here talking about how he learned it was important to study three things, not for 30 minutes, it was important to figure out what he needed to study, not how long, that was a learning process for your parents too, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was different for them because they had two older children who just kind of went through school and never had these types of stumbling blocks. So the types of conversations that maybe Alex wasn't involved with were the conversations that I was having with his parents about kind of restructuring how they were thinking what it should look like. Ah, you can't should things. Right. Yeah. It was going to look different. The way Alex does things looks different. But haven't there been times when your older brother was – looking at your calendar and thought it was really smart what you had done yeah he actually now uses the same type of calendar that I use because (laughs) I was on my calendar one day and he saw there was a bunch of things on my calendar but he didn't like really see them yeah he was like why are there all those things on your calendar and so I showed him (laughs) everything he's like oh my god that's genius I'm doing that what grade is he in uh he was in eighth grade when he started to do it ah so you taught your older brother something yeah that felt nice that's super cool what grade is he in now uh, he's in ninth grade now. That's super cool. Excellent. I, I loved that story because I loved Alex having the opportunity to kind of show off a little yeah. bit, especially yeah. with he really admires his older siblings and he really values their opinion. So I think that was a real moment where you got to like puff your chest out a little bit. Yeah. Be like, right? Yeah. You knew yeah. what you were doing. I was always used to having them help me. So it was nice helping them once. Oh, that's nice. That's so nice. Alex, tell us about after school. What do you do after school? Do you do a lot of things? Uh, yeah, I play basketball. I play the trumpet so that in orchestras. So once a week I meet with orchestra, and then once a week I have a private lesson. Mm. And I used to play the guitar when I was with Rachel. Mm-hmm. And and you got bar mitzvahed, right? Yeah, exactly. So that was it was a lot. So you had religious school and you probably had lessons and a lot of things like that too, right? Mm-hmm. So you had to keep track of that with your calendar. Yep. Yeah. And to keep on top of all your schoolwork. Yeah. Yeah. So you were doing all the things and you were doing twice a week with Rachel, right? Yeah. And then it came time to go down to once a week. How did you know it was time to go down to once a week? Did you know? No. Uh-oh. What happened? Well, Rachel first had the idea of going down to once a week. Uh-huh. And she talked to you about it? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what were your thoughts? I didn't like it. Well, how come? Well, the main thing was that I'm af- I was afraid that I was going to start doing bad in school again or that I wasn't ready for it. Mm. So I was just like, that's a very bad idea. Let's not do that. 
I was quick to dismiss the idea. (laughs) (laughs) So let me tell you what I was noticing, because I actually had the conversation with your parents, I think, several months before you were made aware of that. Mm -hmm. I I don't think I'd floated the idea because we all agreed we were not going to do that until after your bar mitzvah. We wanted to kind of get you through that. And your bar mitzvah was in October. So that would get you through the beginning start of seventh grade, get you through this big life cycle event that you had coming up. Mm -hmm. And then we could have that conversation. Yeah. You mentioned it once, but then we were just like, let's just move that until after my bar mitzvah and there's less stress. Exactly. But I was also putting the idea, I had a feeling this was going to be an emotional thing for you Mm -hmm. because it felt emotional for me too. Yeah. I knew we were moving in that direction because a couple different things were happening. First of all, you were coming into session and you routinely had your calendar updated before you walked in the door. Mm -hmm. You were telling me what you wanted to work on during session. Mm. And when students kind of take over that role of deciding what the agenda for session is, it really is an indicator of the progress that they've made, that they know that you knew what to prioritize and you knew what to ask for help for and and you knew where you wanted to spend our time and had kind of planned for it. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge indicator. And I remember having the conversation with your parents about going from two days a week to one day a week, big conversation, long conversation, because they too had a little bit of fear about it. Mm -hmm. So I think with going from two to one time a week, I I kind of pushed you guys off that ledge a little bit. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Okay. So you went down to once a week in October, which really wasn't that long ago. I think it might have been November because I tabled the conversation as long as I could. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. He postponed it quite a bit. Yes. Okay. Fair. So then you went down to once a week. And how did that feel? At first, I was nervous because I was going down to once a week and I was always afraid I might learn something, but and it's due in like a couple of days, something like that. Because when I saw Rachel, it was on Tuesdays and Thursdays, mm-hmm. which are really convenient for me because if I was afraid that I didn't understand something completely, I could just review it with Rachel and, and she would help clear it up for me. So yeah, going down to, to once a week, yeah, it was scary for me because if I learned something on a Wednesday and it was due any day I wasn't able to see Rachel for like a week if I didn't understand it so I could like do the homework wrong or something got it okay so but then you after a while you what did you realize then I realized it was actually easier than I thought it was going to be okay I was nervous because I've been seeing I've saw Rachel for a year and a Mm -hmm. half around Mm -hmm. by that time two days a week every week and I've been doing well yeah and I realized that it wasn't the fact that I was seeing her every two weeks. It was what she taught me. It wasn't well done. that she was helping me every week. Well done. I like it. So, okay. So then you're doing once a week for a while. And then what happened with stopping completely and graduating out of vet therapy? I learned everything, well, almost everything that will help me. And I've learned uh, many things. Yeah. And I also realized that like, Starting in, like, seventh grade, I was more open to going to teachers. Mm. So I realized that if I didn't always understand something, then I could also go to a teacher. Or if I need help planning with something, 
then I could just like think about what I've learned and what Rachel taught me would help me. And I didn't really see much of a need that I was doing bad in school. And I was, I wasn't in the same place that I was in fifth grade. That's fair. So was it your idea, your parents' idea or Rachel's idea? It was a little bit of my idea and my parents' idea. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a little bit of Rachel's idea too, because mm-hmm. we all saw that after our move to once a week, we were all heading in that direction. And I was getting to that point where I was like, I think I can do it. Has there been a moment since you stopped that you felt like, oh no, I wish I was still going to Rachel? Happened like maybe a couple of times. Like I once had a really stressful project. Uh-huh. My whole group wasn't working on it. And I was like, what should I do? Should I go to Rachel? But then I realized one of the things that she taught me was not being the follower all the time, was also being the leader. Oh. Telling the people that they have to do this by this time. Yeah. Which helped me. You were going to have to do the executive functioning in that group setting. Exactly. Yeah. Group projects are hard. And we had encountered this when you and I were working together. Yeah. This was one of the things that we had talked about was that Alex's executive functioning had so far surpassed probably a ton of his peers that they didn't even know that they needed the deadlines, but the deadlines probably helped them, right? They, it gave them an actionable task. Mm. Yeah. Good job. I love it. Now when you have something that feels stressful or you don't understand, yeah. what are your strategies? My strategies, if it's a project, then I plan it out. Or even if it's a test, I plan it out. I plan what I'm going to study. I have the buffer day which is like the day before the test where you review everything and you go over everything and it helps just like chunk things, break everything that you do down for projects or anything. So it helped a lot. I like it. And what would you say to other kids if they were about to start educational therapy or they were in educational therapy? What would you say to them? It helps a lot. Mm -hmm. It helped me a lot. It was definitely the most useful thing that I ever went to in my life that helped me the most in life. It made me feel better mentally because I was sad that I wasn't getting the grades and that my work wasn't reflecting my grades. Yeah, you were trying really hard not getting the grades, right? And so it helped me a lot in life. So I love that. Well done, Rach. So many quotes. (laughs) That I just wish I could like put up in the office so other kids. Because one of the benefits of working with you, Alex, was that you were deeply invested in your own journey. You came in and you wanted the help. And this is, let's say, for example, that we had started in seventh or eighth grade. I think we would have had a lot more mindset issues to kind of combat because it would have been a difficult couple of years. And I was able to be with you through this transition from elementary school to leveling up in middle school, where your schedule really is a little chaotic. Mm -hmm. It would have been very difficult for you to manage your stuff. And this was something that was important for you to understand too. The system that your teachers give you doesn't necessarily need to be the system that you use, right? Yeah. I think that's huge. Teachers give their idea of how to organize Mm -hmm. and what they think would work best, usually for them. That generalization that you spoke about earlier. Yeah. I love that you also brought up that self-advocacy piece because that was a huge area of growth 
particularly in the last six months, was you knew when to ask for help. You knew who to ask for help from. You knew how to write an email appropriately. Mm-hmm. You knew that there was no such thing as an academic emergency by that point, nothing the night before or anything like that. And I saw your growth and your comfort level with going directly to the teacher. Yeah. It helped if it was a teacher you liked. Yes, very much. <laughs> and I think that's universal. I just had a conversation with an 11th grader yesterday, Alex, mm-hmm. where he doesn't like the teacher and he wasn't going to discuss some missing assignments because he just didn't want to deal with the teacher. I mean, what do you imagine I would have said in that scenario? I'm curious. You would have said first send an email so that they show that you're really trying. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they might not like you as a person. It's just that maybe they don't see you trying as hard or to so show that you're really trying and go to them. And they'll see that you're really like that you actually care. Show that you care. And guess what he did yesterday in session? <laughs> He wrote that email, Alex. (laughs) It's the best way to start. This is why over our time together, when Alex gets bigger, he's going to be the perfect person to come and work for me in my practice. Oh, yeah. Because he uses our language, right? (laughs) Yep. He implemented. Yep. And he has the added benefit of being able to relate to other kids who are like him. Yeah. He's going to be How great. Cool. How cool, Alex. You got to be in high school, but we're going to be in touch. And you know I'm not going anywhere. So if something came up, yeah. all it would take would be you emailing me or your parents emailing me. And even though my schedule is very, very full, we would figure it out. Yeah. I would come in for you kind of thing. <laughs> I think that's probably important. a good feeling, I bet, Alex, that you know that she didn't abandon you. Yeah if you're really struggling that you can always come back yeah but good for you to work on figuring it out on your own first thank you this is the whole point right the whole point of educational therapy is to be done with educational therapy Mm -hmm. and you hit all your goals and you hit all your milestones and our sessions started to be really quiet because you were you were doing it yeah yeah rock star he was or there'd be times he came in and he was completely ahead on everything which is the dream so <laughs> then we got to have fun and play tap ball exactly. right <laughs> which made it really easy to leave was that like you weren't just like when i left you weren't just like okay bye see you you were like if you never need me or if you ever need help so it made it like much more comfortable and i felt much more self-assured i was also telling you that i thought it was a good idea yeah It would have been different if you had proposed this and I didn't feel like it was the right timing yet for you. Or if your parents Mm -hmm. didn't feel like it was the right timing. Because that has happened when a student has felt like it's their time and no one else agrees. But the school agreed. And I don't know if you knew that. I did not know the school was actually in it at all. Well, you knew that I was having conversations with the learning specialists who you were working with at school. Yeah, I knew that. But I didn't know that you talked to them about me leaving. Yes. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to make sure because by the time you really entered into seventh grade, I wasn't having a lot of communication with anybody Yeah, for a couple of different reasons, but mainly because I didn't need to be. Yeah. Right. Because you were kind of killing it. But everybody was on the same page. So everybody was feeling the same way, which was really good indicator. And I'm here. Yeah. You have my number. Yeah. 
right? You could always reach out. So I was sad when you walked out the door for the last time, but I was so happy for you. Oh, yeah. I cheered up in the car. Did you? I totally, I totally felt that way also Aww. when you left that last day. And it was like, <sighs> okay, I had done my job. You had done the work. Mm-hmm. But I genuinely enjoyed hanging out with you. So that's a loss. But, you know, just like I'm still around for you, you're still around for me. And look, you came and did an episode of the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And thank you for being so open and telling other kids about your journey. Because I think if other kids, when they hear your journey, I think you might change some kids' minds that might not be so open as you are. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the podcast today, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. Aww. Our pleasure. Our yes, pleasure. definitely. So Steph, this was a really fun episode for me. First of all, it was exciting for me to have you meet Alex. Yeah, definitely. I get that. I get excited when I get to meet your clients through the podcast and you get to meet my clients through the podcast. Mm-hmm. But this was a fun one. This was a fun one. What were some of your big thoughts? Yeah, so the fact that he's 13 and he's so in tune with what's going on and who he is as a learner and how he is able to identify and implement a lot of the strategies that you taught him. Mm. And he spoke so eloquently, like he speaks our language, right? Yes. He's He took it all in, what you said, every word, and he just was able to use it in such a way that is not typical of a 13-year-old. And when I met him, he was 11 and he was like this. Oh, it's so cute. He's adorable. You guys, I wish you could see how cute he was in his chair (laughs) talking to me. It was so cute. I loved it. I think just even talking out about what do you do now if you're feeling stressed or you don't know how to do something and what do you do? And he was just able to break it down. That's going to serve him well in life because he really knows how to problem solve. That's really such a huge part of education. I was just overall just so impressed with him. I've been impressed with him for a couple of years. This is a luxury of the podcast that we get to invite a former student. Yeah. Not every client stays in touch. We stay in touch because we're attached and we're interested and we've invested a lot of our time in our clients, in our learners. Mm -hmm. And this is a luxury of the podcast that he, first of all, was kind of a part of its, I don't want to call it gestational period, but Mm -hmm. it's really what it was, is he knew that we were working on this big project. And at the end of the day, this podcast is a huge executive functioning task because recording the episode is only the middle step, right? There's like four or five steps before each episode and five or six after. And it's literally probably one of the easier ones at this point, one of the easier steps to record. (laughs) Yeah, That was the one that intimidated us earlier on, right? But now it kind of feels like we're 53 episodes in. We we get this part of it. Yeah. But it's such a luxury that he got to come on and share his story. Yeah. I mean, maybe this will be something I do for new clients coming into the practice because I've absolutely had clients who are more auditory and like auditory content, listen Mm -hmm. to certain episodes before, this would be a good one for a student who didn't really understand 
what the transformation was going to be. And really for parents who don't necessarily understand what the transformation is going to be. And I know with Alex's story and him being vulnerable and sharing about what home life was like, that was true. Yeah. Educational therapy wasn't what reestablished calmness, but it was certainly a point of contention was Mm -hmm. Alex's learning and his homework. But it definitely contributed to helping everybody have a common language and a common understanding. And Alex's ability to self-advocate over the couple of years that I worked with him really evolved. And it evolved exactly in a very developmentally appropriate way. Mm -hmm. His mom really did a lot when we were first starting to work together and really allowed me to come in and coach his teachers, which is something we didn't talk about on this episode. I wonder if he knows that there was a meeting that we all sat down and said, okay, this is who he is. And this is what everybody needs to do. And I went into that meeting and gave some very concrete strategies to teachers and really did communicate quite frequently initially. But then over the next couple of years, that totally dissipated. He was taking on that role more than mom and more than me, which Mm -hmm. was exactly what should happen. Especially with him transitioning into middle school. Yeah. We talk about it all the time. Fifth grade is such a time of still holding their hands, all the scaffolding. We're holding them up. And then they get to middle school and we just rip the Band-Aid off. Right. So it was a key point in time for him to learn how to do these things simultaneously as the Band-Aid was getting ripped. So, And I, I was there in the background, right? It's an amazing story to hear and just have him really recognize and be able to take control of his educational journey. Not every day in educational therapy and being an ed therapist is a feel good day. Mm-hmm. There are some days where we feel like we didn't have a win. Yeah. Oh, for sure. When milkshake girl doesn't earn the milkshake, that can be hard emotionally on us. This is that episode that we should go back and listen to. There were hiccups and it was not linear. Yeah. And it never is. And I think that's important for our listeners to note that, you know, looking back, it sounds like it was probably linear, but he's a full person, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's messy. But he got there. It got messy at times. You know, I'll share when we were talking about reducing from twice a week to once a week, he had just had a math test where maybe he didn't do as well as he would have hoped. And his parents said to me, Rachel, what about this grade? Isn't that a sign that maybe we're not ready? And I said, my guess is he didn't use his math strategies. And that's not necessarily a sign that we stay on for double for twice a week. Yeah. That's Alex's choice, whether or not to use his strategies and implement his strategies. And he's not perfect. And there were times when he messed up, like on that test or whatever, but he rebounded. That was more important. And, you know, there might be times when things get tough again that he might need a little tune up, but that's okay. And I'll be here and I'll be ready for him when it happens and I'll help him make it feel normal. Because it should be normal to have a mistake, to stop using your strategies, to stop doing the things that you know work because everything's working. Yeah. It's totally normal. It really is. It's like when you work out consistently and then you stop working out, then you got to get back on it. Yeah. Get back on the horse. Kudos to you. It's a great story. Thanks for that. Well, Smarties, 
I'm really excited that everybody got to hear this one. And if you are interested, and this could be our current clients who are listening too. We don't actually know, but I think some of our clients are listening. And I know for sure some some of my students are listening. If you are interested in coming on the podcast, and even if we haven't met, we want to hear from you. So go ahead and email us at Rachel and Steph at LearnSmarterPodcast.com. And we'll have that conversation with you at that point. But we love hearing from you, Smarties. We love when you reply to our weekly emails. And if you want to join that email list, go to www.learnsmarterpodcast.com because we love hearing from you, right, Steph? Yeah. It's it's, very exciting. It really is. It's fun. And we want to hear your journey. If you are struggling and are just starting out on that journey or don't know where to start, let us know. We'd love to have you on the podcast. That would be super fun for us. So we love getting to connect with you, Smarties. So thanks for listening and have a great week, Smarties. Have a good one.